Welcome to Nutrition Navigators Podcast, bringing nutrition and wellness to you. Together, we learn from a variety of health professionals about their stories and how they contribute to the world that is wellness. My name is Ashley Monroe, and I'm one of the nutrition counselors at Campus Health and the advisor for this program. I want to introduce Christine. She's here to share with us some information that goes along with today's episode. Christine is a student working with Body Positive Arizona. And yeah, she's here to share what's on deck this week. Take it away, Christine. Hi, today's episode is a bonus episode with Marty Vandervoort uh, to kick off Body Positive Arizona Week in recognition of the National Eating Disorder Association's Eating Disorder Awareness Week. Body Positive Arizona will also be hosting a number of events all week, including a campus health social media takeover, a speaker, body positive movement in collaboration with the rec center and other interactive activities. We hope everyone interested is able to participate. Thank you so much, Christine. We're so excited. We're looking forward to this week and spreading awareness about eating disorders and body positive Arizona and all the ways that we can support our students. Just a couple quick facts for the week. Eating disorders are typically about altering one's body or looking a certain way. And those who are experiencing gender dysphoria, that feeling of one's identity not aligning with their body, which our guest today, Marty, is going to talk to us about, they are at higher risk for developing an eating disorder. Plus, when I was doing some research, a 2019 survey and study found that 64% of 101 respondents disclosed intentional weight manipulation for the purpose aligning their body with gender identity. So that's kind of a big deal and such an important reason why we're going to talk to Marty today about how does gender identity relate to body positivity. Marty is a genderqueer lesbian therapist, actor, singer, and writer. They have provided training to hundreds of professionals and lay persons, and their compassion, humor, and authenticity pave the way for not only learning, but personal growth. They provide counseling and consultation services at the University of Arizona's Counseling and Psych Services, CAPS, and have been in private practice since 2001, working with all clients, but most significantly those dealing with LGBTQIA issues, eating and body image issues, trauma resolution with a specialization in gender issues since 2005. And just a note, All the content on the podcast is for a general audience and is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It's not a substitute for individual or mental health advice. Now let's welcome Marty to the show. Good morning, Marty. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. Can you maybe explain to our listeners who you are and what it is that you do at the University of Arizona? Absolutely. My name is Marty Vandervoort, and I'm a therapist with Counseling and Psych Services, CAPS. I've been working at the university for about 15 years, which tells you I love the job. Uh, I love working with college students because I never stayed in a job that long before. (laughs) I get I get easily bored. So. I I I did want to say I have I got my master's at uh, I mean I got my bachelor's at Ohio University Mm -hmm. and um, that was when I came out as gay that was one of my formative experiences yeah (laughs) rebelling against my family no I'm just kidding (laughs) Um, but I was finally free when I got to college to actually make those kinds of decisions and disclosures that's interesting you bring that up my husband and I were kind of talking about the decision when like when that happens and like the decisions like folks seem to be able to come out maybe sooner than in the past in the current times and I wonder if is that just real because 
it's more normalized or there's a language given and they have this ability to be like, oh yeah, that's, you know, it happens in high school more than it happens. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, maybe even, they see- Even in middle school. Yeah, and maybe but, they yeah. see the yeah. media kind of normalizing, you know, that space for them and making it. I think it's, I think it's uh, all of those factors. Yeah. I think first off, there is more of a context Mm -hmm. um, in our culture, there's more of a frame of reference. I might see queer characters on TV, right. you know, um, and, and in, I'm older. And uh, <laughs> when I was coming out, uh, I mean, I, I had kind of known what gay people were, but when I, when I met some <laughs> in college and saw how they interacted with each other and went, oh my God, that's, that's me. That's my tribe. Yeah. Um, it was very freeing. So, but yeah, now people have a, a context. Mm -hmm. They have, they can look up stuff online. Mm -hmm. They can see it in the media. And there is, I think also in this, uh, in the upcoming generations, there is a much more free attitude about gender or sexuality. It's just like mm, no big. Right. Since it's more accepted culturally, you can experiment more freely. Yeah. You know, we like dating. I mean, mm -hmm. it's kind of nice to be able to date both boys and girls so you can rule somebody in or out. Right. You know, <laughs> as opposed to having that not be an option and dreading your fantasies or something. So, well, and I think it's that speaks to like humans. I'm, I'm interested in the human, not necessarily the label. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. And I think this generation does. I actually think that this generation, I'm older as well. But I think this generation too has maybe more empathy and maybe more open-mindedness. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm definitely finding that. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, thank you for that. Like, I think that's good context for today because today we're going to be talking about a question I think that often comes up as far as, you know, this sexuality and gender and does gender identity intersect with body positivity? So part of the nutrition program at Campus Health is we have Body Positive Arizona, which is such a great program for exploring those concepts. And I think even in body positive spaces, we often see cis women, cisgendered, which is a person whose gender identity matches the gender they were assigned at birth, being the face of the movement, so to speak. So I think I we found we might just want to shine a light on on that and explore this, this idea of gender and how that intersects with body positive and why is representation so important in those types of things? Absolutely. I came out as genderqueer mm -hmm. a couple of years ago um, and I use they, them, or she, her pronouns. Mm -hmm. So I want to also specify that because as a member of the umbrella uh, transgender community, yeah. Um, th this, this is near and dear to me, but since I work with my specialties at work are LGBTQ mm -hmm. persons, trauma resolution and eating disorders. Right. And so, uh, so this, this is sort of a marriage of a lot of passion. For Do you me. feel like people have a good understanding of the language in the LGBTQ space is because I guess I used to work in a hospital and now mm -hmm. I work in higher education. I work at the U of A and I have my pronouns listed because I think it's helpful. I see my patients pronouns listed and I just find it so helpful and just, it's so, I don't know. I just feel like it's coming from this place of just respecting humans for what they, how they identify themselves. Do you feel like 
people have good awareness of gender identity as like a way to interact with other humans? <laughs> you know, I, I think more and more, like you said, the knowledge mm -hmm. is becoming more common, but until or unless you, you are actually directly faced with it, I don't think, I don't think, I mean, as a cis person, I don't think you have to question gender. It's just not a question. Right. So I'm a woman, uh, you know. Um, Is that because so you like fit the binary? You the, fit, you fit the, the binary, binary world, exactly. World. Yeah. The, the male, female, if you're cis and you fit in those pretty well, yeah. there's no reason to like wonder about anybody else's experience until there's a reason to wonder about someone else's experience. Whether you're like trying to be more inclusive, working right. with gender diversity, as well as racial, cultural uh, diversity, or you've come into contact with someone who is queer in some right. way. And I use queer as an umbrella term. Right. Um, so it's kind of like if, if I'm right-handed, I don't actually <laughs> need to wonder how it is for you Southpaws. <laughs> But left-handed people have their right. own issues and awarenesses, and right. um, and and it's actually a thing. Mm -hmm. I don't have to ever think about, un unless you know, I break my right hand and I have to use my non-dominant hand. So, mm -hmm. so that's kind of how I think of it. Is like yeah. it's just a taken for granted mm -hmm. because I can take it for granted. I don't, you know, like any kind of privilege. Yeah, and, that's and the we, word that was coming to my brain. Yeah. I was like, mm, yeah. this sounds a lot like that. <laughs> I can be clear. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, yes, uh, cisgender privilege is a thing. For sure. Uh, same with heteronormative pri privilege. You know, yeah. uh, if you're straight and cis, you kind of yeah. don't ever have to come out about that. Yeah. <laughs> you just like, are assumed. And we, we talk about that as like as thin privilege, like that comes up too. Is Absolutely. Like not to take, it doesn't take away from anyone else's experience, this word of privilege, but it reminds us that there, we do a lot of assuming because we don't necessarily have to think about something else, that, like a marginalized kind of identity, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. And those marginalized identities, that uh, oppression really carries a lot of stress, a lot of weight, a lot right. of, I mean, that's why we see the numbers increasing for eating disordered folks in the queer community. We, we definitely statistically proven out. Absolutely. So why, so, do, you, why do you think, oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it's because <laughs> I heard the question, Ashley. Thank you. <laughs> Marty can read my mind. <laughs> well, it, particularly in, um, queer communities like with lgbtq queer to, 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 to say gay communities uh -huh. um especially with gay men i mean there is a there is a thin ideal we we yeah. we have language for weight and body types in yeah. the gay community you know a twink is a skinny little boy right mm -hmm. and and that is a good thing to be unless you're a bear or a gym bunny or, you know, I mean, it's just like straight culture and, and there's thin and there's gay thin. Have you heard that no. um, comment? That yeah, gay thin that. is ultra thin. Um, okay. I, I actually had a gay client say those exact words to you. Well, there's thin and there's gay thin. And he did not identify himself as anorexic. Right. I did, Right. Um, you know, or, or diagnostically. So yeah, there's a lot of thriving for the thin ideal. That's or, stressful. Or the buff ideal. Absolutely. Wow. And I think because it's a sexuality preference, mm -hmm. I mean, where bodies 
come into play how we think of bodies is, um, and how we perceive our bodies or how we perceive others perceiving us is, is really key. With trans folks, it can be even more complicated because my body shape certainly has some determinant on, on how you perceive my gender. Right. So when we talk about body image, body positivity in general, for trans folks, there's a couple of factors. There's how I see myself, how I perceive myself, how I want to be. And there's also how you perceive me or, or how I believe you are perceiving me. Right. I want to be read like me as a genderqueer person. I want to be read as rather androgynous. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't really want to go way femme or way butch, mm-hmm. way femme or way mask. I pay attention to how short is my hair, how, what kind of clothes am I wearing? That is gender presentation. Mm-hmm. Gender, my gender expression is rather androgynous. Mm-hmm. Um, and for non-binary people, that can be even more complicated. If I want to be perceived as non-binary, how does one do that? Yeah, you know, I me mean, androgyny is one way to go, but that isn't that doesn't suit everybody. Right. What if today I feel like wearing my ball gown and going way femme, mm-hmm. and tomorrow putting on my muscle shirt and you know whatnot? I and the only thing that gets in the way of that being just something someone can do is what social gender roles, like assumed gender roles in our society. What do you mean that gets in the way of like uh, just dressing however I want? Yeah. yeah. Just well, sure. I mean, think that? of, uh, are, you're married, yes? Yes. So think of what, what if your husband one day wants to just wear a dress to work? Yeah. What would happen? Right. How would that be perceived? It's worse for guys, even. I mean, right. women, women have been cross-dressing for um, <laughs> several decades now. <laughs> they just used to call it like a tomboy, right? They just like. Yeah, or, or boyish or mannish or, mm-hmm. yeah. Even have yeah. those jeans, those boyfriend jeans, they'll call them. I think they like market them as, as that. So just, oh. there's so many layers to it. I think it's just mm-hmm. interesting. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. What, so uh, with, with trans folks, I, I was just going to say in yeah. terms of gender identity, the, you know, the, the body positivity piece is really helpful that in therapy, that's always what I'm talking about is you, there's no right way to be trans. Right. There's no right way to be the gender that you are. Right. There's no right way to be you except be more you. But for someone who doesn't want to have breasts, can't afford or doesn't have access to surgery, they may diet to just lose body mass all over and stay thin or uh, more androgynous looking body shape wise. Yeah. Or conversely, I might eat a lot or put on a lot of extra weight to hide those secondary sex characteristics, yeah. you know, that trouble me as a, as in, within my gender identity. And it's related to, I just feel like sometimes it's, it's so challenging because people want to feel good in their bodies, but how do I feel good in a body I don't identify with, I guess. Right. It's, it's a conundrum right from the get-go. Yeah. Yeah. If if what we're talking about is body satisfaction right. versus body dysphoria, you know, not not all trans people have body dysphoria. Can you explain what that is for some of the listeners that maybe oh, don't sure. know? Yeah. Dysphoria. Well, like euphoria is feeling good. Yes. Dysphoria is feeling bad. Okay. <laughs> I mean, to, to rather oversimplify things. <laughs> 
But yeah, gender dysphoria means I'm unhappy in the gender that I was assigned at okay. birth. And, and we say assigned at birth as opposed to your real gender or your real mm. sex or whatever. Um, because when I am assigned it at birth, I don't have to necessarily identify with it, right? Mm-hmm. Right. The dysphoria, the sense of discomfort in my body is present all the time. For, for instance, to, to go personally with this, right. I am not happy with my breasts. Mm-hmm. I have never really enjoyed them. Right. Um, and it's getting to the point where I don't enjoy them sexually. I've never enjoyed the appearance, but even that they are on me is right. not so great. And so that is what we would call chest dysphoria. Mm-hmm. So when someone refers to them or I, I the other day I got sured in the store mm-hmm. and the person looked down and said, oh, sorry. And I was like, ah. Because <laughs> <Oops. laughs> <laughs> okay. in, in that moment, it was like, yeah. Ah, no, I got uh, these things that actually make me woman. You it know? highlighted it for you. Absolutely. It it. Yeah. I mean, just as, a, as, as an example of how yeah. that dysphoria can, can impact people. And I just think like, if I am unhappy with a piece of my body, how then, you know, dressing my body, moving in my body, feeling my body, having any embodiment. Maybe it's like, I'm listening to how my body feels. Even like hunger fullness requires me being in my body. And yes. I think that embodiment can be super uncomfortable for folks when their body image is more dysphoric, if that's a way to say it. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to say it. And you got it. You got it. How do I how do I even want to tune into something that I don't like. I may hate? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so hard. Or at and the so, very least I'm uncomfortable with. Yeah. And sometimes we'll say things like in body image work, we'll talk about how can I hate my body less today to just be able to take care of it. And so I think like it's a continuum, right? We talk about, I think body image being this continuum and I have, you know, body love being on one far end and, and body, uh, you know, body hatred being on the other. And, and it is, I think, and I, I think you move along the continuum, you know, I think all of us move day to day. We all day to have, day, minute to minute. Yeah, sure. we all have bad, bad body image days, mm-hmm. but I think it sounds like it just is this extra layer. It's almost like when I feel some disconnection to the body that I'm in, this earth suit that I'm in. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. My skin bag, as My I call skin it. Skin <laughs> bag. How do I, how do, how do you, what are some things you work with? I guess, like, if it's okay to ask, like, speci- do you specifically have like tips for folks to feel like they can even take one step out of body hatred and and just do that respecting what I'm walking around with. That's definitely part of the work, especially yeah. in a stage of transition. And and I say transition, I mean, like I have transitioned socially, mm-hmm. my appearance, my name. And so, so anyone who is wanting to per- be perceived differently than they have been perceived mm-hmm. even creates that dysphoria because they have to change how people see them. So trans people are pretty creative. We, we bind our chests. Mm-hmm. We uh, may pack uh, as trans mask. I might pack, um, meaning um, have sort of a faux phallus so mm-hmm. that I have a bulge. Mm-hmm. Um, trans girls might tuck their, their privates away um, uh, <laughs> or enhance, uh, pad their boobs or their butt. 
Yep. And so, I mean, we have ways of trying to change our appearance mm -hmm. just as cis people do. Yeah. <laughs> do I have a push-up bra or do right. I have a regular, you know, I mean, they're, they're, it's just what humans do. Spank, spanks or yeah, uh, right? all those right. things. Yeah. When, when we have bodies, we have body dissatisfaction and we try to make alterations. <laughs> uh, that's so, um, yeah. So yeah, we do have ways to sort of deal with some of those parts that are unwanted or the parts that we do want that we don't have. Right. But in terms of sort of that in it, just you, when it's you in the mirror, how do you walk through your life? And that's, I think what you're talking about is yeah. that sort of how can you take one more step towards appreciation of the body that you have right now right so uh, some of it is like going with function versus form you know what what are you grateful that your body can actually do yeah what parts of your body can you receive pleasure from mm -hmm. or can you rely on mm -hmm. you know so so that there is some it it's hard to hate everything about one's body right when you get down to it right like I have a toenail that is just rocking. It's like all my nails are kind of brittle and breaking and stuff, but I have this toenail. And damn it, I know just, you, you know, I mean, it's a strange thing because I'm obviously saying something I know, but yeah, it, when it struck me, I really liked that toenail. I kind of giggled at myself, but it can be like that. I yeah, mean, I think we forget. I think we forget to think about the the very the the and you know maybe they're small, but like they're still part of you. I I had a really bad fall last week. I know I'm all like bruised up and battered, but what it made me grateful for was like my you know my skin heals back pretty quickly, which I'm grateful for, and I you know, I can't wait for the day where I can like give my daughter a bath with my hands because I can't right now because they're all like broken up and, and, oh. and, and sore. So I think right. it's like such a small thing, but like to be grateful for being able to like, you know, bread and bread and batter the chicken I made last night without having to worry about like getting my bandages of wet. Like it's, this is a very random example, but like, it's what is happening in the moment. And I think mm -hmm. those like little grateful things do sometimes serve a nice yes. purpose in getting us out of that mindset. And to be able to, to intentionally refocus yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Um, I, I, I often prescribe uh, a, an exercise mm -hmm. you know, at night, write down one thing you're grateful for this like day that. or one thing you appreciate. And, and I have uh, edited that to be body right. uh, centered as well for folks who really struggle with body image. I think there's like a, like a couple themes in the sense of like, I maybe don't identify with the gender I was born into. So therefore showing up in this body can be uncomfortable. Plus there's societal pressures. If I align more with a masculine or feminine, like those boxes have very specific societal images, correct? And so yes. like, how do I deal with my body image within those spaces? And then I have this like body positive movement where they're saying it's okay to be accepting of my body, but I don't see anyone necessarily that looks like me. Right. Do you think that I, that gets in the way? Totally, yeah. totally. I mean, it's, it's like a person of color, not seeing right. any representations in media of themselves. Right. It's like, well, those white people are just talking about themselves. <laughs> That's Go ahead. Yeah, right. Exactly. Same thing with gender representation or gender fluidity or any kind of gender diversity. 
it's coming, you know, yeah. step by step. But yeah, if I don't see or don't have a context for the normalization mm-hmm. of whatever I'm going through, then I get to feel less than othered outside of, right. you know, and that's part of the minority oppression right. that I think fat people suffer, that, mm-hmm. that queer people suffer, that trans people suffer, that people of color suffer, you know, fully based on appearance. I mean, there's, of course, co- deeper cultural things going on, emic <laughs> racism and stuff. Um, sure. But but yeah, that, that oppression, yeah. how do I deal with that? How do I cope with that on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. So in, in, in the world of gender, a lot of us are working in a transitional stage. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, if I've just started hormones, for instance, I've just started testosterone. I, I haven't yet. Um, but if I, if I've just started testosterone, yeah. I don't look very male yet. And if my genes don't support the growth of much facial hair, I won't have that tell right away. Right. As soon as a trans guy gets some facial hair, people stop looking elsewhere. elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So that trans men have it, I think a little easier in terms of presentation. Mm-hmm. Trans women May testosterone has already done its damage. You know, right. they have a low voice. They might be extra tall. Right. So, and that stuff doesn't change hormonally. But in that in-between state, mm-hmm. where I might be clocked, as we say it, as my, you know, if I'm a trans woman and I'm still looking rather male or sounding rather male, there's a lot of discomfort and, in fact, danger. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, that trans women get murdered in yeah. this country worldwide, but that is um, so uncomfortable. Yeah. So part of what I work on with them is the temporary state of that, of some of that discomfort. Mm-hmm. You know, Marty, you're going to get top surgery as soon as you can afford it. So in the meantime, yeah, bind those breasts, but do it safely. Right. You no, know, I mean, we will get through this. You yeah. are in transition. You are changing. But even that, I mean, someone who's gone through thousands of dollars of surgery and facial feminization and taken the voice courses and whatever may still get clocked at some point just because, you know, something old shows up on her documentation or whatever. Right. I mean, it still can be dangerous. And then that sets back in. I've had a lot of trans women who, oh my God, I, I, I don't feel good today. My hair doesn't look right or whatever mm-hmm. because, and it's because of that perception. They, the, you know, I want to be perceived as truly femme. And if it's not feeling it inside, it's hard to trust that it'll be there out on the outside looking in. Yeah, there's such, there can be such a disconnect. So in body positivity, yeah. I had a client, I had one session with a trans woman. It's one of my favorite stories to tell because this was several years ago. Yeah. Before non-binary or androgynousness was so accepted mm-hmm. or so normalized. And she came in and said, I don't know if I'm really trans. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to wear a dress. I don't want to go femme. I don't I don't like makeup. Mm-hmm. And so the whole session was you, you be you girl, <laughs> you do you the way you want to do it. There's yeah. no right way to be trans. I right. know a lot of trans folks who don't wear makeup, right. you know, or don't, or, or dress kind of 
you know, androgynously, even yeah. though they, and this gal Isn't just that like cis, cis folks too. Like there's a lot of cis right. women who makeup and. Right, yeah. right. And if they're uncomfortable with it because they feel like they don't fit in, I would tell them the same thing. Right. There's no right way to be you. You right. be as comfortable as you can be and people will be okay with you if you're okay with you. Right. Because that's what you'll exude. This gal just needed permission to like not go femme. And she's a great trans woman. Empower you know? permission, right? Amen, that, right? Yeah, I think that's that power. It's strong just to that it's okay and someone else validating that, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Do you feel like there is specific places students specifically students, because those are our listeners, can go to feel better in their bodies or get some questions asked or, or I mean, we'll link to, some, Marty and I talked yeah, about, yeah, here about mm -hmm. like linking to some resources, we but will. even, yeah. even on campus, is there a place that folks can go? There's lots of resources. This is actually a great campus to be queer on nice. in so many ways. We're always growing and changing, but the LGBTQ uh, program affairs is actually a drop-in center. Don't know that right now during COVID is um, uh, you know a great time to be hanging out with people, but sure. But that's a place to just hang out in the lounge. There, we have at Caps. We have several different kinds of support groups. We have um, a gender spectrum support group for folks who are questioning or in transition or working through gender issues. Mm -hmm. We have an LGBTQ support group for just anyone under the queer umbrella. Trans folks feel very comfortable going to that folk, that group as well. We have the CEDAR group um, for eating disorder or body image issues or just my relationship to food and my body. That's a, that's a group that meets at CAPS. In the Tucson community, there's a SAGA, the Southern Arizona Gender Alliance. Mm -hmm. And they have support groups for folks who identify as trans women, trans men, trans non-binary. So there's different kinds of support groups that specify the kind of person you want to be. Mm -hmm. What does someone That's expect when they go to a support group? Like, what can someone expect when they walk in? Is it like, do they have to talk? Do, like, I think sometimes yeah. students are kind of... Yeah, you never ever have to talk. Mm -hmm. You probably will get encouraged to introduce yourself and say hello, um, <laughs> but but that's all you ever have to do. I, I mean, I've had clients come to group their first time and say, I'm really, I'm Jody. I just want to listen today. And yeah. that's that. And the ease of the group, because we, you know, groups can be very funny. They can be very deep and intense. Mm -hmm. And usually there's some of all of that yeah. in a group. So the groups are welcoming. You can expect to be encouraged to share what's going on with you. If it's my group, I run the gender spectrum group. I usually do some silly little check-in like, you know, what's your superpower today or, okay. or what animal, you know, something like that, just to get us all on sort of a silly equal footing. Mm -hmm. And then I go around and we talk about what our challenges are. We talk about what our brags are, what, what's been going good. What do yeah. I want to give myself a put up for, yeah. you know, because we don't get much opportunity in our, in our lives to like say, yeah, yeah. I'm all that. Right. <laughs> and we need it. It's not, it's not boasting. It's like yeah. celebrating. Yeah. So, Your so we're, 
yeah, exactly. So we try to make space for that. And then whatever kind of support is needed, like, mm -hmm. God, I got to, I came out to my mom and she didn't take it well. So yeah. we talk about that and the general theme of coming out, everybody shares their experience or their processes with it, that sort of thing. So there might be a topic, there might just be sort of a general discussion, but Sounds generally, and then some sort of closing, yeah. like just to sort of wrap it up a little. And those meet would you say every week or month? Every week, or every, every week. week. So there's um, something All available. three of those groups meet every week. I think uh, both the CEDAR group and the LGBTQ group are free. The gender group uh, is 10 bucks because that's more of a therapy group. Sure. So I'll be sure to link to, to those where students can kind of find the numbers on or in locations. Great. On, yeah, and I will say They're all via Zoom right now, right? Absolutely, Tele absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I can link times and all that. So cool. I'll send awesome. that to you when we're done. Cool. Um, and cool. Well, Marty, is there anything that I didn't ask or that you, you hope that we can share today, you know, this is mainly about bringing some awareness and, and just kind of talking, mm -hmm. like leaning into these topics. Yeah, anything that I didn't ask or that you wanted to say that you haven't yet? Good question. <laughs> yes, if, if I could say anything to our listeners, I would say start with where you are, accepting what you can, accepting, and, and I, you know, you said body love, body hate, Body tolerance mm -hmm. might be a step, body encouragement, body acceptance of what is, you know, some of our genes determine stuff that we just are not very happy with, but that's going to be our life, <laughs> you know, so better come to some peace with that. Yeah. So just start where you are and say yes to mm -hmm. what you can about yourself. I love that. Say yes to what you can. That's a good mantra. <laughs> <laughs> I like it too. I just came up with that. I like it. <laughs> Write that down, Marty. Put it yeah. on a bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Well, at the end of every episode, we ask our guests some just fun rapid fire questions so that the, oh, the yes. audience can learn a little bit more. You've been so gracious with what you've been willing to share with folks today, but these are just some, some fun off the cuff question. So would you, are, are you ready for these? There's four of them. All right. I am ready. All right. If you could only have three foods ever again, what would they be? Oh, celery. <laughs> I love celery. Um, so crunchy. Mm -hmm. uh, hamburger. I love mm. burgers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and gotta be sweet. Oh, tapioca pudding. Ah, okay. I love the little thing. Yeah. I love the variety there. Like I love that it's like something like cold and real and then sweet. That's like a very good situation. Yes, I just had lunch with you. Yes. <laughs> and then um if you had to choose breakfast or dinner. Breakfast 24/7. Same. Same. I can I my my mantra is put an egg on it. Like I like, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, crunchy tacos or soft tacos? Crunchy, messy. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. I like it. I, I read, sorry, I have follow-ups to all of these today. I read, <laughs> I read a new year's resolution of someone was like, eat more tacos. I'm like, that's probably the best new year's resolution I've ever read. <laughs> nice. They're very versatile. Yes. They are. <laughs> if you could have people take this lots of different ways, but if you could have dinner with any three people dead or alive, 
who would they be? I think Eleanor Roosevelt mm. would be one. She was pretty brilliant. Um, anybody in the Obama family. <laughs> Whoever's um, available. <laughs> yeah, whoever's free that night. Um, and Joni Mitchell. Oh, so good. Yeah, that's who. And then, of course, there's like, what would I say to them? I would probably just jawed. <laughs> you talk, I'm listening, you know, but but that's who I would I would hang with. Yeah. A great dinner party. <laughs> right. Marty, I so appreciate you coming on the show today and hanging out with us and providing just resources and just freedom to, you know, be who we are and and being able to get to a space where we can walk around in these bodies and, and be, you know, tolerant of it. <laughs> so, amen. Yeah. Amen. So thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah. And that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. Please share with your friends and connect on all our campus health social channels and email us at chs-nutritionnavigators at email.arizona.edu to submit your questions and comments about the show. We're excited to be bringing you this monthly content to spark curiosity and some bonus episodes along the way that just align with what's going on on campus. We're sponsored by Campus Health and our program in health promotion and preventive services. We want to thank our colleague, Marty, for coming on the show and taking the time to talk with us about this important topic, how we view our bodies and ways that culture might not always make that easy. It's so important to us that students know there are resources to support you in working through different seasons of your life. Body image can be a challenging topic, and we're here to have those brave conversations, and we invite you to do the same. We hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. Tell us about it, subscribe to our show, and leave us a rating and review. Until next time, be well, Wildcats.